Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. We have a fun show planned for today. It's our second show of the week. There will be some news to talk about. Yes, there are. There is a card coming up that we will discuss, and we got all that covered. Of course, we'll give you reminders, too, about next week's watch-along, UFC 281, on November 12th. More on that later. We also have a guest, Ron Gallagher. He is my physical therapist here in Las Vegas. He's the owner and operator of Maximum Velocity, next door to the Sticky Paws studio, so very convenient, and I'm going to... I'm going to make sure I have him laughing and in a good mood because when I step over there, it can get brutal. So it's going to be a fun time. All right, guys. So you've met Ron for a few minutes now, right? Nice guy, laughing. I can't believe you didn't give me the intro on the way in, though. I thought he was just having a conversation here or something. I just walked right past him. Excuse me. Oh, you even go that. So this is my younger brother Brian. Oh, Uh, nickname goes, and that's Ron Gallagher. He is a fellow rebel, just like you. Nice. Both. Yeah, rebels all day. Yeah, and he is the owner of Maximum Velocity. So remember when we were doing the watch along and we kept hearing, yeah. That was probably a medicine ball, right? Being thrown against the wall yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And I asked the guys. E- either against the wall or on the ground. Yeah. Either well, that the or... way he <laughs> describes this therapy, I would have thought that was a body being thrown up against the wall. You're not working hard enough. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it got me thinking like, man, like this knee, I've never been the same. I got I to gotta, I gotta go in and ask, right? Inquire. Mm-hmm. But before that, I asked... Um, John Orlando and Austin, I believe, and Travis were hanging around. And so I go, what's it like over there? Nice nice people or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I talked to John. And he gave me kind of like a direct referral where yeah. you've worked on John. He's one of my biggest uh, referral sources. Yeah. And and he, uh, well, he also gave you a great review because you've worked on him. Yeah. And he so. Had a, he had a tricky elbow mm-hmm. that no one else could help and was able to get him pain-free in a really short period of time. Mm-hmm. So he was he, he sings my praises up and down. Yeah, it got me fired up, Ron, I'm telling you, because this is in 2017. Goes right. was there when it happened. He's got a video of when it happened. Oh. I've never watched the video. Yeah, I don't want to watch the video. I think he's the only one that's got the video. I don't know, but I just never wanted to see it. Yeah. And one of the darkest days ever. Oh, for sure. You know what that injury's like, for sure. right? There's, you, you probably see a lot of knee injuries, but not a lot of torn patellars, I imagine. Full thickness, patellar tendon tears, very, very rare. Yeah. And if it happened in the NFL, it's like it's like a career ender. Right. So it's a real big deal to have that particular tendon totally rupture. 
Yeah. And yeah. when I was down there on the ground, I knew I was injured and I was just hoping like it was one of the minor ones. Not yeah. that I know this stuff, but I know ACL is probably the worst, right? Aside from the patellar tendon. So I was hoping I was like the MCL or the PCL, you know, right. you might not need surgery or <laughs> you're back in three months, you know, and I'm obviously right. not like a pro player or anything like that, but I'm just thinking on right. the timelines that you hear for sure, something like that. And, and then to hear that it was that, and it was one of the worst you can get. And I just, yeah. I, right away, I, re I remember the guy from the Raiders, Napoleon McCallum. I might've yeah. said Napoleon Kaufman the other day, it was Napoleon McCallum, I believe is the one that got it. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Is that when his knee went backwards? He got hit like at the line of scrimmage, I think, or something. Maybe, man. I don't. I don't know how Oof. it happened, but I just remember it was rare, and he was never the and same. And it was nasty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you said that the the kneecap was mid thigh, that that's bad. The the tendon rolls uh, up like like a lampshade, mm -hmm. and when that happens, that's bad. I remember his <laughs> surgeon. His uh, surgery took a little bit longer than what it was supposed to, and he said that he didn't anticipate it being so bad, but that the way he described it was. You ever see in a movie when like an elevator when the when the cord breaks and it just right. frazzles on the end? Yeah, because that's what I had to deal with. So I had to piece all that yep. back together. Yep, and it rips off the bone. It's it's bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Luckily, I had the guy that fixed Anderson Silva's leg when he broke his leg right. against Chris Weidman. That was nasty. Yeah. So it was someone who worked in sports, and I think gave me maybe a little extra love because uh, I was with MMA fighters on an MMA. Well, on a more military morale visit, right? And so he was able to get it done quicker than going through the the channels of insurance. And right, first you got to see this guy, and then referral here and there. And everybody kept telling me the sooner the better. Right. So anyway, yep. that was five years ago, and I let it go, and I've never been the same, Ron. You know, and so I can't believe that that just hearing the knock, the knock, the knock, just what's that? Physical therapy. I, I thought it was more like a like a goals gym or something, you know? Right. And they're like, no, 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 physical therapy. I go, oh, I at least got to ask. And I went over there and I asked, and I'm glad that we're doing stuff and I'm feeling good. Same, same. I, I think the style of care that I have suits your problem really well. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good opportunity for both of us actually to be able to work on this knee. And it's just kind of funny how there's no coincidence in life. Mm. Right next door, knocking, 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 like just opportunity get this need looked at. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really stoked about that. And here's another thing too. And by the way, I also thought it's gonna, it's relevant to have Ron on our show because of the injuries we've had in MMA. So I definitely want to discuss that. But I wanted to give an intro so you guys can get familiar with him and then also be full transparent. He is my physical therapist. We're working. This will be our fourth session uh, today. And here's another thing goes that I didn't tell you. I've been sleeping to the side to my right side, I'm kind of a fetal position guy, so mm -hmm. side sleeper, whatever you want to call it. But I've had a little tingling in this arm every once in a while. No, not every once in a while, just a couple times. But as I casually brought it up to Ron, yesterday, or Monday we worked, Yeah. and apparently we were done with the knee and thigh and calf stuff. And he goes, come lay over here, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I did it, and I'm doing these exercises where I'm laying on my stomach, and then I'm holding lighter weights and just kind of moving them around in different positions, you know? And I'm thinking, what's that got to do with the knee? Because I'm dribbling sweat everywhere, <laughs> and I, I'm, I've had enough. Like, he kicked my ass pretty good, right? So I'm laying there, and I'm like, what's this got to do with the knee? And then I kind of realized, I wonder if it's that other thing, you know? So you added that touch, Ron, that meant a lot, man. 
So it's a problem that I brought that had nothing to do with the knee, but he snuck me in there for five, 10 minutes, did mm-hmm. it. And let me tell you something. When you said go walk to the door like you always do, right? I did, and I was thinking more about my upper body than the knee on that time, just because I, I felt like I was I had a good form, right? And you know, a little swag in my step, yeah. Obviously, yeah. all of it coming together, totally. And I haven't felt the tingling since. Perfect. And, and that's only one little session, right? Like I, I want to do it again if we can. Well, of course. Or if not, it's not that hard to just kind of hang off the bed and do it. I'm gonna have to get these little weights. But I'm telling you, guys, I've heard it before. I've been there to get massages where I go neck, back, and shoulders. I don't even do the thighs and the calves and the feet anymore because I'm so tight from working at home and always kind of being in that same position as you that I think uh, a lot of people should pay attention to this part. If you don't open up your chest, that's not going to help with the recovery of and loosening up of your neck, shoulders, and back, upper exactly. back, right? Exactly. Traditional ways of treating that is to try to make it relaxed. Right, it, feel, it feels like tension, so intuitively you want to do something to make you relax. But really it's a strength issue and that you don't have the strength to be up nice and tall. Yeah. So the exercises that I gave you really emphasize that up tall posture, and that's why you didn't have any, any numbness. I haven't had any numbness, and I've been, you know, still, I'm still trying to become one of those sleepers that can just lay on his back and go nah. the eight hours. Nah, just be but comfortable I with it. Don't worry about that. I wind up snoring, so. Yeah. And so that's why I think I snore less on my side. At yeah. least those are the elbows I get from my girlfriend. You like, can lay on your side. Yeah. You can lay on your side. No worries. But I'm telling you, I, I've been doing a lot of reading on this stuff, and they say sitting is the new smoking. So What? Yes. America, the world, all of our you listening mean like audience. long periods of time, Yes. Right? Okay. Sitting at home or just sitting and I'll not right being now. a movement. Huh? I'll quit right now if that's the case. <laughs> and, and not having movement. And that's why you see Joe Rogan and Mike Dolce and all of them just going, look, 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 look. He goes, don't conquer the world today. Just get out and walk 15 minutes that way. And you know you got to come back and that's another 15 and there's your 30. Mm-hmm. Right? Start with that. Cup, uh, bottled water in your hand or whatever. And then obviously gradually move to more. A lot of people are saying low impact, walking, great, 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 great. They don't want to like throw you into like run three miles, you know, or... Yeah. Do this or whatever. I, I kept reading stuff like sitting is the new smoking and the hunching over and the experience I've had. Because before doing this show, I, I worked in corporate America. So I was in my cubicle doing that deal too. And I just think it's years of that. So I'm going to definitely try to open up my chest, probably work more on my chest. And then obviously the back muscles need to be worked on as well to, For sure. to get more of that this deal and not be the hunchback of Notre Dame. Exactly. And your little weights will become big weights Yeah, pretty soon. Yeah, so I had to throw that in there because I, I wanted you to listen to that part. Remember I asked you the other day, have you been using the deal where you recline and sleep up? I was just trying to get a feel for how you sleep, if you're on the side or... Oh, no, I don't sleep with it like that. I'm not Dracula. I mean, just like when if you're watching TV or something, well, sometimes we'll put it up, but not that often. Right, but, but when some I people sleep, apparently do, right? A little? I don't know. Because of the snoring. And even though I'm a, I'm probably the MVP... Of people in my circle of snoring, goes is definitely my Scotty Pippen. Me? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude! I was walking by two nights ago. Oh my! I thought he swallowed a kazoo. Seriously, he was going to town. But um, I don't anyway. know if I'm Pippen. Maybe I'm like Paxton or someone like that. No, you're Pippen. I, can't be you're, Pippen. I, I can actually leave the game and you can carry us for a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, P- when Pippen, he snores, Pippen heads home, huh? When he snores, I was actually going to ask Sticky Puzzle if they can get me an audio recording of you throwing that ball up against the wall <laughs> just to drown him out. So I don't think I could possibly be Pippen. I think I'm Paxton. I'm already PJ admitting to Armstrong being Jordan. Or something so like that. I, I got it. I got it.
got yeah. it. I admit to being Jordan, but I got to yeah. fix that, man. I got to fix a lot of things. I think, I think that analogy really hit home for him because he was like, ah, oh, yeah, because not, not Pippen. I, I ain't Pippen. You, I, I know. Mean, I Cartwright, <laughs> Kerr. I mean, yeah, like one Jordan, of those, Pippen, dude. it makes Because I've heard like Big Ralph. I've heard Gabe. Gabe, Ooh, Big Gabe, Ralph. Gabe on that uh, trip. Big Ralph might be Tony Kukoc or Dennis Rodman. Bro, we, we have a friend, okay, that on a trip, right? There's two rooms. A guy in another room said his bed was vibrating from the snoring in the yeah. other room. And people verify. I've never it. thrown my pillow. I know, that at sounds someone. ridiculous to me. You know, you tell someone, like, hey, stop it, cut it out. So if so you're a Jordan. Not you, that was somebody else. That was, someone, that was yeah, like 20 years ago. We all oh. went drinking and uh, oh, yeah. we just got a room so we didn't have to drink and drive. Snoring and, after drinking is the worst. Yeah. 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 So anyway, all this, it all ties into my knee. If I can fix my knee, I can go up the hill more. I can start running more. I can do maybe more of the um, this Versa climbers or whatever, right? It all starts here, and I want to work on it all at the same time. So, again, Ron's the man. Maximum Velocity here in Las Vegas on Sunset, right next to Sticky Paws Studio, where if you've ever thought of doing a podcast, you should. And, Ron, real quick, you have a podcast, right? I do. Here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So um, tell us real quick about it, and then we'll get into the, <clears throat> the MMA injury stuff. My podcast is Hyperspeed Radio, and really it's just me trying to educate the public on uh, what I think is a superior way to treat patients and just provide as much education as possible. I feel like consumers have so many options on what they, you know, what they need to do with their rehab or their health, and I just want to add to the body of knowledge that's um, more accurate. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's what the, my show is about. Well, I'll definitely tune in. To, did it drop once a week or something or twice a week? Yeah, or? Every other week. Every other week. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ron, so I sent you some stuff that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. And first of all, I've never really asked you how hardcore of an MMA fan are you? Um, I would say that I'm, if I was going to rank it on a scale of zero to 10, probably a seven or an eight. Oh, okay. So, because you knew about the Silva injury when I yeah. referenced Yeah. Oh, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, but I sent you some stuff just in case so it would make sense, right? Yeah. You saw yeah. this. We'll start, start with the shoulder dislocations. Right. And right. so you saw what, what happened to Aaron Pico. Yeah. And then TJ Dillashaw. Two different fights about three weeks apart, maybe right. or something like that. Right. And, I got some basic questions, and as much as doctors can give their opinion, at the end of the day, when they're done, you know, sewing somebody up, doing what they need to do, their part's over in about three hours. Then yes. the real work, <laughs> six, nine months, a year, absolutely goes to someone like yourself. Totally. And so let's start with the dislocation, Aaron Picos. His was one that took place in the middle of the fight. Right. And Which is a really easy way for it to dislocate for for what he does normally mm-hmm. so i was really surprised at how severe of a dislocation it was for something as small as it was mm-hmm. so it was very interesting and then they go to the corner and they start <laughs> jerking and, and yanking then the, and then the show starts right and as i'm watching that like i'm in no way an expert on that but i've <laughs> seen i've seen them uh in other sports kind of like guide the arm right i didn't know what the hell they were doing yeah but i didn't see that motion it down. <laughs> right so yeah um what did you think as you saw that and and um how much more damage did they possibly cause there do we curse on this show yes you can curse. i was thinking what the fuck is this guy doing mm-hmm. um so you know i work i work in a, a business that has a license and you know I'm I'm licensed to treat these patients 
and we have rules and regulations we need to follow, and we would never in a million years do that to somebody's arm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where he learned, like that's how you relocate a shoulder, but if I was going to re relocate a shoulder, it would never be anything like that. First of all, it's not in a physical therapist practice act to, to do that. Mm -hmm. It needs to be a medical doctor um, or a paramedic if the paramedic feels like their life is in danger. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the training is to do it, but it's definitely not that way. Um, if he doesn't have any conse you know, consequences from the way he tried to relocate it, he'll be really lucky. Wow. Cause, cause when Was the, he entering tear labrum, labrum stage? It's really hard to dislocate the way that he did without a torn labrum. Got it. And, and the labrum is a, a small sliver of, of, of connective tissue inside that basically serves as a washer for so the like shoulder. on the outer, right? It's, of where it, the shoulder sits? Yeah. So it kind of fits like this, and then the head of the humerus sits right on top of it. Mm -hmm. And if, if, if it dislocates forward, usually this part of the, of the labrum tears, and then it can fall forward. Well, the guy was yanking on it, which is bringing it down. Don't want to bring it down. You actually want to go the opposite way, which would be to provide traction, and then the muscles will take over and relocate it. But if he pulls it too fast, when it goes back into the joint, the, the bone can actually break. It's kind of like if you take a cue ball and you smash a cue ball, you know how it kind of splinters? That's what happens to the head of the humerus when it relocates. Mm -hmm. So, like... That's not how you do it. <laughs> and that's why we see them hold it and kind of, that's to relax relax the arm, well, the muscles? Well, with as much pain as he is, is hardly ever going to relax. But if you if you put traction on it and you, and you pull the head of the humerus away, um, it kind of clears the space to be able to get over that labrum and back in. And the muscles, because they're spasming, will all pull and, and make it relocate. Mm -hmm. So... What he did, obviously, was not what you do. And a few weeks later, T.J. Dillashaw experiences the same problem. Now, in our sport, one good thing is we all learn together as the sports evolves. I used to say we're in the leather helmet stages of our sport about 15 years in. We're right. almost 30 years in. And there's times where I feel like the learning curve is steeper because we've learned from our predecessors, boxing right. and other sports, other contact right. sports, especially right. about brain injury right. and hopefully weight cutting. But these types of injuries, you know, when I saw that, I was like, wow, I was taken aback a little bit. Yeah. However, in the Dillashaw fight, I did notice that they had a slower motion in what they were trying to do, and it looked like they maybe did reset it in the middle of round one and two. Right. However, then we find out at the end of the fight that this guy had experienced that same injury 20 times since April when his camp started for this fight. Uh. So... Apparently his is more, what is it called, hypermobile or just more? There's for sure, no, yeah. for sure. So the labrum is kind of the first layer of defense, and then the second layer of defense is uh, what they call capsule. It's thick con thick connective tissue gristle, like on a chicken leg, the, the part that you can't eat, mm -hmm. that, that gets loose. And when that's loose, the rotator cuff has to be super-duper strong in order to keep the head of the humerus tucked in there nice and deep. And uh, if he'd never got that properly restored, then it would just keep popping out. So I have a question. So sure. at that point, he had mentioned, I think he said 18 times in camp yeah. that had come out. Yeah. So knowing that going into the fight, is it pretty much, you know, as a physical therapist, would you just know there's no way you're going to make it through a fight? And if that does keep happening where it comes out 
puts it back in. Um, is he like creating permanent damage at that point? There's, there's, there's no way to say that he's creating permanent damage. And there is plenty of bodies that once it relocates, it can stay located and do just fine. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't assume that it would come out during the fight, but 18 times during camp is a lot, you know, in a very short period of time. Um, the first thing I think of is, um, his camp didn't have him doing the right exercises. So like some of the similar exercises that you were doing, um, obviously um, more often and heavier and there's a really particular way to restore that rotator cuff. If they didn't do that, then it'll just keep falling out. So if they keep doing things that help them with the pain, but they don't do the work of, of actually getting the rotator cuff stable enough to keep it inside the joint, then it'll just keep happening. Now, those videos that I sent you, Yep. Of the doctor that he's a sports doctor. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but I've kind of checked his side a lot because right. he does them quick. When there's an injury in sports, he does them right. quick. Right. And one thing he stated, and I wanted to get your thoughts, was with Dillashaw, it may have not been so a lot. He he got um let me start by saying this. A lot of people were saying, Why'd you take the fight? This is a title fight. Why'd you take it? You could hurt it. Worse. Now, that doctor was the only one I really referenced here or whatever, but he said it may not have been that bad of a decision to do it. He was going for a title, right. and the fact that he can put it in and put it out is a, a lot less worse than perhaps Pico's injury that, that for, from all we've heard is that may have been the first time that happened. Right. So someone that it happens to often isn't as susceptible to longer, uh, long-term yeah, a couple things. Picos, to me, look like there could have been a fracture there, too. So they were talking about the possibility of maybe there was a clavicle fracture. So if they relocate it, but there's a broken bone in there, then that could really complicate what he's feeling. Mm. And I think that was contributing to his. Mm -hmm. The frequent um, uh, dislocator doesn't necessarily mean that he's creating permanent damage. Okay. Yeah. Well, because one is just as bad as five. Right. And, you know, five compared to 18 is probably not great. Each time it dislocates, you do run the risk of rotator cuff tear, further the labrum tear. But, like, I wouldn't think that they're in that much more damage, per se. Here's the other thing. Between rounds one and two, by then it's come out. And he's got mauled in round one. Right. For one, Sterling mauls people even if you have two good shoulders. <laughs> now, Dillashaw's got Division One wrestling. He's a former champion. Tough as nails, as we saw, because he's willing to continue the, the right. fight. Because that hurts like a... But in between rounds one and two, was it advisable for him to continue? I mean, he was pretty compromised. It was obvious that it came out so it would come out during the fight because in camp you're probably not going 100 percent. right here we are and we've seen that, what this guy that's can the do. part that i was actually thinking about because if in camp say say he had a couple hours where he was actually doing some grappling or something and he was down on the ground and earlier in the day it had dislocated and he was still continuing to train and he had been in a place where he could train after he did that then it would be an easy decision to continue because mm -hmm. he's kind of trained that in to himself. It happens so often. But if, if he dislocated in the morning and they cut training for the rest of the day and they never went back to it, like 
he, you know, we wouldn't actually know how it operates. Right. So my thing was, he's not going to punch with any force. He's not, he's not going to be able to uh, um, save himself from submission with, with, the, with, the, with the capacity for it to work like he needs it to work. So like, what are we exposing him to then? Right. You know, or what if we put him in a position where he couldn't, he couldn't get out and something else happened because of that injury? So it just, it didn't seem advisable to me, mostly because I just didn't think from a performance point of view, he'd be able to really do much. Yeah. And, and you always want to give your athlete the benefit of the doubt because he still could punch with the other, in the other hand. What if he knocked him out? I mean, we've all seen fights where that happens. You know, mm-hmm. somebody comes off the canvas and wins the fight. So you want to give him that opportunity, but se- seemed like a pretty far-fetched thing to me you know, watching that in between rounds, like what is he going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Even, even if it does, even if it does relocate, it's not going to be strong and it's going to hurt a lot. Um, so I don't know. I think that's going to take away from performance either way. Yeah. So I was just, I was thinking it was silly to continue. Same here. Uh, I, I, I didn't even think he should have competed because if this happened in April and it happened 20 times, right. He fought in October I got to imagine that by May, it, three or four times it had already happened. Uh, that that was already the – he could have maybe already had the surgery and been, you know, right. rehabbing for maybe another shot. Now, he right. might have to take another fight along the way. I get right. it. But in your biggest and, moment, I think you want to be 100%. And, and the hardest thing for me to sit in this seat is I don't know the people he was working with. I don't know, like, what their philosophy is on how they take care of problems like this. So there's a lot of arm care, court, armchair quarterback happening here. Mm-hmm. But in, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, But it doesn't seem like that was the wisest way to handle it. But you never know, like, does he need the money? Does he need, you right. know, was, you, yeah, know yeah. you know, so, like, there's other factors that we have to sort of consider on why they let him compete. But he certainly wasn't. I mean, and, there, and there's a lot of fighters who take a fight who aren't 100% and do okay. But, like, this particular one was, like, half of your power has gone. Right. Like this I'm is glad a, you brought that up. It wasn't just the grappling part. It was you're right. not going to have as much. You're definitely not going to punch with that arm. Mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as, as soon as it's extended and just the position that you're in, I mean, it, it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just silly to me. Ron, have you come across in your profession, so the – the relationship between athlete and coach runs pretty deep. Sometimes sure. it can be from a very young age, you know, throughout a career. For sure. But some of these coaches have been in the game so long that sometimes it seems like fighters listen to coaches more than doctors. And Absolutely. Um, have, have you come across that a lot? 100%. And, you know, um, I, always, I always like to think of it as I'm part of a team. You know, I'm like one-third, one-fourth, you know, depending on the group. Um and we all make a decision together, but you know somebody who's been working with fighters for thirty years, you know sometimes in the in the fighter's eyes will get a little bit more clout mm-hmm. um, because you know medical people can be awfully conservative, and you know fighting and winning a fight, you know I got my right arm, that's all I need is the ego of of the of the fighter, mm-hmm. and the coach is right there with them. And then the medical team's like, well, I think that's a bit of a, a risk. So, you know, the, the conservative nature of the medical people in, in their camp usually gets them, 
gets him in trouble. So this, these type of injuries that we're going to be discussing <clears throat> here, growing up watching sports, we didn't hear so many of these. You know, right. like ACLs and PCLs and all right. this going on. Right. I know when like AstroTurf came in, it started to pick up a little bit. Right. But what do you think attributes, um, is it are athletes just pushing themselves more than they did back in the day? Or, or what do you think it is? I think in the last 15 or 20 years, the the science and the science of performance has really taken off. So the things I'm doing with my athletes now, I wasn't doing 10 years ago. And 10 years before that, you know, we weren't even in the ballpark. So that part of training is going faster and faster. And I think um, the sport of MMA is, is really unique in that it pulls from a bunch of different disciplines. And all those disciplines have what I call bro science. So like wrestlers and jujitsu think about knee swelling differently. What do you do about that knee swelling? And it brings all these different philosophies in, in and we just got to catch sports science up to that. You know, like boxing, boxing's light years behind normal sports science. Mm-hmm. They, they just would rather listen to the 30-year-old trainer than, you know, somebody who has the medical training to be able to help because boxing legend, you know, said don't do it that way. So I think that contributes to it too. But I think athletes are training harder and the um, the difference between mediocre and world class is very very small now. Um, so it just it just creates problems like ACL tears and NFL players are like through the roof. Mm-hmm. Like an insane amount of of NFL players tear their ACL. Why are they doing that? There's a lot of speculation and really. You know the the goal of my practice is to be in the in the science of that so that I can be able to educate patients appropriately. But I think it's poor training, to be honest. Really hard, poor training gets them in trouble. Gotcha. When we were growing up in Orange County, we're from Orange County, California. Um, our local team was the Rams, right? And so you would, when you cracked open the Orange County Register, you know, you read about them. And I clearly remember the athletes would report in mid-July, kind of, they were hoping you were in shape, but if not, that was the training camp that would get you in shape. You'd have your exhibition season and then 14 games. Now right. it's 16 and 17, right? Right. But there, you didn't hear too much about off-season conditioning. I think they just hoped you stayed in shape. Hey, we pay you a lot of money. Right. You know, but now right. it seems like that's what you do. You know, the yeah. game, the Super Bowl's done in early February. Right. There's a Pro Bowl, and then a few weeks off, and then boom, they're right, right. back at it. Right. And at the same time, your defensive line would be like 6'3", 280, and then maybe those are the defensive line uh, and the ends. And then the inside guys might be like 6'2", 290. Every once in a while, there'd be a guy that was 310. You're like, damn, man. Right. He's plugging up the middle. He's three bills, right? Right. Way different now. You're right. talking about like six 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 seven, right? Two ninety on the end, and right. then inside six three two three forty. Right. You know, so my question 40. is, yeah, <laughs> my question is, are they too big? Like, are they too big for the tendons and ligaments? For, not only for how fast and violent the game is now, but the whole year training to get to those additional games and. 
And obviously, the competition's a lot stiffer. You know, right back right. then, right. whatever your defense was the year before, it was pretty much that year. There might be one guy that retired, right. but the contract was up. We get a new guy. That's what the draft right. was for. Right. Now the whole team could be a lot different right. because, you know, they just they want youth and then the whole money issue. You know what I mean? Sure. So are they too big for their ligaments and I, the tendons? I don't think so. I don't think that they're too big. I do think that the- Too much stress uh, on it for year-round training? Definitely not. Oh. Um, I th- I think they're I think they're understable and over over speed. So you know if you if you get on their social media, you're going to see them doing all these really elaborate things. Well, like the little exercises that you were doing on your shoulder, are they doing those? No. So the foundation of what they're doing is very very minimum, and then the elaborate cool things that they're doing. You know, I think they get over the top on those. Mm-hmm. So I call it um, they're more they're more exercising rather than training. So they're not really they're not really developing the speed and and the biomechanics to to use that frame. They're just working really really hard at dumb shit, <laughs> and it it <laughs> it it ruins them. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they they you know develop faulty cutting mechanics, and you know they're they're just overtrained and and not necessarily taking care of the details so I, I don't think they know how to take care of you know the 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 stuff that really matters i think they're just off trying to do the cool stuff off the top of your head um you know if i put on my instagram and i'm, I'm watching fighters and I'm, I'm seeing them with them big uh medicine balls and they're throwing it up in the air jumping in a trash can jumping out jumping over this doing that right. what's like one exercise that you see where you go come on man you don't need to do that um, pro- probably the, the, the one that everybody loves to put on their Instagram is the battle ropes. Oh, really? Yeah. I think those it, messed up my forearms. I think I got that tennis elbow or something. I don't know. Absolutely silly. There's, there's no, there's no physiological benefit to that whatsoever. So, um, so like, um, your, your rotator cuff is really, really weak, right? And the exercises that we gave you target that muscle. Well, if your shoulder is unstable, and you're really, really loading on the end and you're trying to whip these ropes, you're really just creating this whip in your, in your shoulder that doesn't really pertain to anything. Like, like there's, no, there's no benefit to whatsoever. It's hard and you're sweating. So, you know, maybe we get a little benefit from that, but like actually translating to better punch, no. No, it's like the opposite. So... There's just a lot of silly things like that that happen in training. Give us another one. <laughs> Did that one sting, one. by the way, Goes That one kind of stung you, me. Yeah, he's got, he's way, got uh, ropes uh, in the garage. Oh, uh, yeah. They're, they're I, hanging there. I don't do them because I feel like now I'm walking out with, you know, 24-inch yeah, pythons. I, I, but, I don't know uh, how technical you guys want to get, but, like, the, the, the way that the muscles are working in mm-hmm. that situation is the opposite of the way that they function. So what if you're a drummer? <laughs> um, I... I I guess maybe it would help if you're a drummer, okay. but I mean, for your audience, you know, it's the opposite of punching somebody, right? You know, it's the opposite of trying to get off the ground. It's the opposite of, of having your hand fixed. Um, another one is, uh, a really ridiculously high box jump. Yeah. I've been seeing those. Why is that one? Ridiculous? Absolutely ridiculous. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make you run faster. It doesn't make you jump higher. It doesn't, it's just, if you, you miss, you're going to eat shit, right? Like your shins right, are going to get, right. Out. Which happens a lot, but the, the process of like a 60 inch box of jumping on top, you know, 
Um, it's really learning the task of jumping that high versus that task contributing to power or speed. Mm. About the tire flip. Um, what I like about the tire flip, especially in the mixed martial arts world, is it just builds general uh, stress tolerance. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's some value there. Um, Rocky Four chopping wood. Does that do anything? It's kind of the same thing. So I, I think of so so the way that I would break it down is I would I would think of what are the stresses that this body has to be able to tolerate, right? And then how do I how do I create an environment where that stress happens? So you could get something out of out of chopping wood way more than the battle ropes. I have a theory. I think a lot of strength and conditioning because of social media is all about, hey, look what we're doing. So they almost develop something 100%. that kind of looks good where you go, oh, man. And there's no value that's, to that's it. That's cutting edge. That's the difference. And, yes, I remember one time my dad, he doesn't like the Diaz brothers too much because, you know, they're kind of street punks or whatever. And right. I right. like them. But he's right. like, nah, I don't like those guys. Right. But he did say, um, you know, they, they're known for being tough and having great cardio. And when they would show them in those countdown shows, they do triathlons, marathons. Right. And I remember him saying one time, just get out and do your road work. You know, he's old school, obviously. So he's thinking of like boxers, right? When they have a, and they're in their training camp. Right. Wake up early, get the road work in. And usually those are the ones that can go the 12 or 15 rounds. For sure. Same thing for him. He, he felt like there was too much um, glamorization of all these other things. Yes. Flipping tires, chopping wood. I remember one time Rashad Evans was doing sprints with a little parachute on them. Right. You know, right. and I was like, what? You know, obviously, I, I know it builds a little bit of resistance, but right. can there be another way to do that? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there, there, there is a time and a place for, for the sprinting with a shoot. There is a time and place for that. But for the most part, I think, you know, we're just trying to do what looks cool. Mm. You know, you want to... Th these guys are trying to hire trainers that are, that are doing outside the box kind of things when they really need just foundation and basic stuff. It's and just going for a run as good as it gets for, for well, cardio. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you know, 12 rounds, you know, let's say the overall, overall time with that is an hour, hour and a half. If, if you can run an hour, hour and a half, does that mean you can box for 12 rounds? No. Right. Because we're punching and, moving and and you know going in a circle like everything changes but you do need to have that aerobic base in in order to tolerate the stress of training to be able to do 12 rounds of training mm -hmm. so th there's a foundation physiology there that's important but at the end of the day that's not going to convert to 12 rounds of boxing mm -hmm. okay. it's, but it's the aerobic base that's necessary to get you to that all right the second one i want to ask you about is the knee the knee injury that calvin yeah. cater had yeah i was trying to cue it up to the right spot but we'll watch it together here it's coming up yeah. here in at the end of round one um it doesn't look like he does anything like that super spectacular where you wonder oh why did that happen it happens kind of subtly you know um right and but when you saw it could you tell right away what type of an injury it was yes and, yeah that's yeah, okay. a very distinct um, movement that happens in his knee right there. Did you see that? Um, well, I thought it happened, happened when he jumped. And jumped and landed the first time. 
Well, I think I think there's little bits and pieces where you can see it actually pivot shift. Oh, with, I think he's talking about round two when uh, when he well, right? kicked the well, leg. Well, it just pivot shifted there. So the ACL's job is to protect the the tibia from from translating forward on the femur, mm-hmm. and when that tears, it it kind of kind of buckles. See, it did it again back there. So when he stepped back on the right. So at that point, he might have had a scare, or it's already fully... Well, he, he could have been dealing with that all through training. Again, we're, we're armchair quarterbacks here, right? We, right. We weren't, we, they don't release this type of information because we don't want him just, you know, leg kicking that leg until, you know, until he submits. But mm-hmm. um, there's definitely some biomechanical stuff happening with his, with his right knee back there. And that's where he's trying to push off of. And mm, uh, I think you're right, yeah. Right there. Oh, right there. Yeah, yeah. then that, that might have been the full tear, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so okay. that, that could have been the straw that broke the camel's back. But but every time he steps back on that right, you see just a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a shift, a little bit of a shift. And then that one was really powerful and really big, and I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. My next question would be, because he survives this round, should he have come out for the next round? Now, uh, some might listen and go, of course, stupid, right, to me. But we've heard of fighters that have had, I think I've even heard of no ACL or a torn ACL right. and started the fight that way and competed and right. either won, lost, but just competed right. for that right. paycheck maybe. For sure. I don't want to say that that's what Calvin did or anything like that. Right. It obviously looks like that's probably where he got hurt. Right. But um, why is it that some athletes can do that and then others immediately mm. go to the ground and it's it's over? Well, oof, yeah, that... <laughs> slow-mo there um so for acl there there you know it's it's a it's a ligament on the middle of the knee Mm -hmm. and it prevents the the tibia from from drawing forward on the on the femur but there's no muscles at the knee that control that from happening Mm -hmm. all that control happens at the hip so if you watch the previous um few minutes of that you can see his hip actually rotate forward Hmm. so that's what i was looking at was was his actually his hip is what's causing the problem um so if we don't have the hip strength to be able to protect the location of the femur then the acl gets more force than it should so really um this is a hip problem that causes a knee so if you can control the hip biomechanics then you can protect the acl so really that that's what the key is to being acl deficient is if you if you have the hip strength to be able to protect yourself from that that pivot shift but <clears throat> Go ahead. so he steps back on that mm-hmm. you know or we when we were talking about it the other day mm-hmm. you said it just looked like nothing yeah, kicked the other leg and this one gave out right I'm but like, but the acl is supposed to stop it from going backwards and oh. if it's not there, it continues. Yeah. And it, it's a really, really scary feeling. And it also hurts like a motherfucker, too. Yeah, so I would have thought he would have kicked this leg. But yeah. he kicked the other but, leg. But and... the step back needed stability that wasn't there. Right. And it, and it buckled. So, Ron, at this point, uh, I guess the question that we were wondering was, I know, you know you, you're not, he's not in front of you, so you can't tell for sure. But what happened in round one? Had he had said, I'm just messed up, I can't come out for round two, 
could maybe his rehab been say five months versus a year? Like what, what do you think yeah, happened? Did he make here? it worse? Let, let's say best case scenario is it's just an ACL tear. Um, six to nine months is generally speaking return to sport, full sport. Um, if he, so, so we can see it starting to pivot shift before he did that jump. Let's say he stopped then. He just put his gloves up and said, I'm not doing this. Um, he could have not torn his ACL, but it was tearing mm -hmm. and then protected himself from those six to nine months and just do really, really good rehab, let it heal, let it scar down, and he probably would have been okay. Um, if he had the worst case scenario, when it pivots like it did when he jumped, he can tear his meniscus, he can do some cartilage damage, he can tear other ligaments, and then complicate the, the recovery. Gotcha. All right. and, and, his, and his future um, ability to restore normal. But the good news is on knees these days, it's like, a, it's like an oil change for orthopedic surgeons. Like it's really, really dialed in on how they, how they take care of these injuries. And the rehab is super easy. For me, it's just about restoring the hip. So if he can control his hip over his knee and he can get nice and I strong. I've never heard that. I've never heard that the ACL yeah, uh, and people talking about the hip. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not as well known as, as we would like. Again, it's like the, uh, you know, the, uh, um, the dramatization of training, you know, to try to make it cool. This is really back to fundamentals. You can see his hip not able to control his knee. And if he developed that hip control, uh, then he'd be able to protect his knee, even even with being kicked, even with being um, um, running, jumping, um, grappling. He should be able to protect it if he's got a strong hip. Wow. Well, the hips. Okay. So that, if you don't mind, I want to talk about that now. Yeah. So so that contributes to your injury too, right? So you're over there really working on the um, connective tissue around the patellar tendon and trying to do the rehab to make sure that's nice and solid, what do we warm up with? We warm up with your hip stability. Mm. So if your hip can't control the position of the knee, then the pressure on the knee is more than it should. So those clamshells and then lifting the leg, yes. the full leg. Yes. All, all the muscles that are protecting his hip, same. For some reason, it, these damn phones are super smart. If all late night, I'm just winding down and I hit Instagram. Well, what did people do today or whatever? I'm getting a lot of somehow I get sent to reels and somebody go, uh, are your can your hips open up? You know, and as right. you age your hips right. and this and hip, 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 hip. That's all right. I keep getting, right? right. So probably because right. I hit the videos, it's recognizing, but I'm sure. seeing more of sure. it. But do you remember when Ulysses came over to the house and he goes, Take a knee? So I took a knee like I was on one knee, like when you see a player that's injured, all the other players take a knee. But then he told us to push forward. He goes, you're stretching your hip flexor. Mm -hmm. And I remember going, wow, that feels good. I never would have thought of that, but it really mm -hmm. felt good. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the importance of having open hips? I get that if you're a kicker, you can get to that head a lot swifter, right. you know, because you can open up, right? Right. I imagine that's what they mean about having open hips when it comes to MMA kicking and grappling and being more flexible. But I guess, and, and now I guess tying it into uh, making you less susceptible for knee injuries. So you're, you're actually opening a can, a can of worms. Uh, George, I think you've probably been a part of some of these discussions. Um, that that's a big can of worms for me because um, in my opinion, 
flexibility is 100% overrated. Okay. And it's a really crazy thing to say to this population of athletes because they spend so much time in really funny positions. So it seems to make sense that if they provide that mobility, that they'll be, they'll be in a good spot when that, when that particular pressure comes. Well, if, if you're too loose, then your connective tissue properties can't protect the joint. Mm. And if, if the connective tissue can stretch really far, it actually creates wobble, and that wobble makes it perform slower. Mm. So I think the flexibility takes away from performance in a big way. I mean, this is a, this is a stability issue of the hip. The two dislocations that we heard were both stability issues of the shoulder. So the rotator cuff and the hip stabilizer's ability to protect those joints. Um, if we dive in on how they're training, I guarantee I'm going to find overmobile and understable. So I don't, I, I, if I was working with this camp, I would assess his range of motion to make sure that he can move through full range but I wouldn't necessarily work to provide extra or hypermobile range because he's in a power sport and um, shorter connective tissue properties are more responsive to movement and he'll, he'll be able to be more powerful there. Now, he does need to get into some funny positions, so we need to have some range of motion there, but I believe that you achieve that in training. And if you know we're doing a grappling session and... and you know, we put his hip in a really funny spot. Um, does he have the range of motion to get in that spot? That's how we're going to figure that out. And if he and if he has a limitation there, then I would address it. But I wouldn't, from the outset, try to open his hips, make him more flexible from the outset, because stable is far more um, highly performing than say loose or or flexible. So. Mm. Yeah, I think flexibility is way overrated, even in this group. And there's going to be some people out there that are going to be like, what the fuck is he talking about? That, that's crazy. But that's where the old school training comes in because that's what, they, that's what they've been doing for a really, really long time. Current sports science is refuting all of those, those um, philosophies. Well, I was just about to ask you that question. So amongst therapists, how often do you guys agree and disagree and what are like the major topics that you guys that, that's a really funny thing because you know we all we all have the same education as a start we all have to pass the same exam to get a certification or, or a license i should say but then depending on where you're working what you do that's where your um that's where your experience is going to come in and that's going to shape what you do so um, eight years ago, I left a traditional model and I don't accept insurance. So now I don't have to do what the orthopedic surgeons tell me to do. And what that's allowed me to do is to think a lot more free. And I've spent a lot more time in the, in the CrossFit world, in the strength, strength and conditioning world. And it's really shaped my physical therapy foundation. And so, you know, I was telling him on his first session this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I cannot wait to get you underneath the heavy barbell to squat. You know, patellar tendon rupture, that seems very assertive. But after three sessions, you see how that progression is happening. Mm -hmm. And we're building the connective tissue properties to be able to tolerate stress. Eventually, I've got to put 
heavy stress on it if we're going to run. So between two and six times your body weight and ground reaction force is what we need to deal with when we run. So if I don't complete that gap for him, then he's not going to be able to tolerate that stress. Well, that's not taught in PT school. Orthopedic surgeons don't think that way. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in anatomy world, and I'm trying to make this anatomy be able to tolerate stress. So I'm mostly in the strength and conditioning game with a little bit of medical knowledge and, and knowledge on how to rehab injuries. But as soon as that injury is healthy, I'm trying to get them on to strength and conditioning to be able to teach that tissue how to tolerate the stress of what they're about to do. So we have a lot of traditional PTs who will be, um, and chiros, and you know, all, all professions will be on the dry needles and the heat and the ice and the recovery boots and all of those, all of those ways of, of recovering. Um, I would say that all of that's just as good as placebo and has no effect on recovery and honestly a waste of time what's Uh, placebo placebo would be um if i give you a pill and i tell you that it's gonna uh, make your headache go away but it actually is just a sugar pill and you believe that it's going to take your headache away that's the placebo effect oh okay so all of those things have a placebo effect what about no, no therapeutic value? A lot of fighters are going overseas for stem cell. <clears throat> so I'm trying to get on Joe Rogan. So Joe Rogan, if you're out there, um, they're missing the point. The, the, the problem is not that it's an inflammatory problem. So they're going to get these stem cells to help with an inflammatory problem. They have a mechanical problem where the tendon can't tolerate stress. So if they're not putting themselves in a position to tolerate stress, then it's going to continue to be in dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So I think they're chasing the stem cells for the wrong reasons. And, and there's some to say that there's absolutely no benefit to the stem cells whatsoever. But like Joe Rogan's the, the first guy to say, but I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. That, that's a hard part to argue with. Okay, so you feel amazing. Does that mean you can still kick? Well, he can't kick. <laughs> you know, he wants to train, he wants to be able to kick, but he still can't kick. It's not because the stem cells are going to give that to him or not give that to him. He doesn't have the hip strength to do it, and he, and he doesn't know that. So I'm, I, some of my TikToks are trying to get Joe Rogan to kick again. Tell me about kicking, because I've seen him do these spinning back kicks on the, on the bag that he has at home, and actually everyone's impressed with has he recently said, I can't kick or I have an injury or something like that? Because I thought the, I have seen him yeah, show just, that off. Kind of, He's a former Taekwondo black belt. How, so. how long ago was that? Uh, it was an episode that came out in August. Oh, and he's saying I can't kick anymore? Or? Yeah, so he, he was having a very casual conversation with his comedian friend. And his, com- his comedian friend was talking about the same injury you have. And they were comparing notes on... Um, how their knee rehabs have gone, and Joe Rogan mentions that he that he can't kick, mm. and the other guy was saying that just like the, how you said how they were telling him that it's going to be a two year recovery for a, for a patellar tendon tear. Yours is way worse than his, I would guess. I, I, again, I'm armchair quarterback because um, I'm not familiar with his case, but sounded like it was a partial patellar tendon tear, and yours was definitely full thickness. Um, 
but he was saying some of the dumb things that his therapist was telling him and it just made me lose my mind. Mm. And the and John sent me the, a segment of them talking and then it that's what spawned me to actually get a TikTok cuz I was like I got to get I got to get on Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. I got I got to set him straight. Um <laughs> so I think my first 5 TikToks are Hashtag make Joe Rogan kick again. <laughs> Got it. All right. <laughs> to try to to try to educate him a little better. And then recently he's had the guy with the with the stem cells on that he really loves. And they have about ninety-five percent of the physiology right. And the five percent that they have wrong, I think is really wrong. And I would love to be able to fill in that gap for them. A, I think there's business in there, and B, I think there's a lot of benefit for the patients in there. So there's there's a you know there's a lot of benefit to being in that team and and consulting with them because I think they're missing a couple of little key points. Mm -hmm. I feel like we could talk to you all day and I'm sure we'll have more questions especially when our audience reacts um, and there's never a shortage of injuries in our sport. It just so happens that the ACL's been around for a long time. Right. But this year we've been losing main events. What do we what do we say goes? Rakic. Yeah, it's a he lot, had the same yeah. injury as Cater. Pico. Ortega had the same injury as Pico and TJ Dillashaw. Right. Uh there's been a Cater. couple more. Oh, Tom Aspinall. Yeah. Yeah. There's just been a lot this year, you know, and I'm wondering right. like, are these athletes are they are they too big? Like I said, you know, are they yeah. overdoing it I, and maybe coming so. in I, I uh, think too taxed? Are their bodies too taxed when it's time to really perform because of the grueling training camps? Could know? be that. Yeah. Could be that. But I, honestly, I think they're surrounded by guys in their team who don't who don't know how to fill in the basics. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for yeah, the my wisdom pleasure. and the knowledge. So happy to be here. And Thanks hopefully we can me. do this again. I'm. I'm. There's no shortage any, of injuries. Anytime. I, and I'm right next door. Yeah. So no. No worries. I'd be happy to be on any time. And I'll be seeing you in a few minutes. Yeah, Folks, let's get to work. keep it locked on MMA Junkie. Uh, we got Cage Warriors, Warriors 145, UFC Fight Night 214, Rodriguez versus Lemos. That's the uh, the UFC's offering. Cage Warriors obviously always close to our hearts. Goes. Did I miss anything that popped in the last? Uh, yeah, uh, Jake Paul and the pay-per-views. Oh, 200, 300,000. Yeah. yeah, all right. Um I mean, he's Lame. saying it's because Anderson Silva said he got knocked out twice in camp, right? He thinks people just said, I'm not ordering it now. Yeah. I don't think it had anything to do with that, do you think? Uh, perhaps. I he, mean, had, he had to throw it, right? Uh, throw the fight? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it looks like one would think that because one would think that Anderson Silva um, doesn't lose a fight that's going in that direction. So, um, you know, look, but I, I look fit I, to me. I, I don't I mean, know. Is that I, really going to knock Anderson Silva out? Seems to be a pretty hard puncher. Anderson's 47. He kind of hit him straight in the face. So, uh, I don't know. What else do we have? Uh, well, there was also the following, George. Uh, TJ Tillishaw, he insists that Sterling's most, he's the most beatable champ, even after the loss. Like, yeah. uh, why is it that Aljamain Sterling just can't get respect, no he matter can. what happens. He can't. Um, he's easy to hate on because he's making himself easy to hate on because he answers to everyone, whether it's a fighter or media personality or even a fan that criticizes. He has to kind of set you straight. TJ, bask in your greatness. 
You just defended for the second time. You're on an incredible run. You're making it look easy. Forget about what everyone else is saying. Like like TJ said, I've come in with a messed up neck for many fights. You know, I wasn't 100%. No one's 100%. Now, TJ obviously was dealing with something out there, but nobody put a gun to his head. Uh, Aljo says that's probably what, done, what I would have done to others, and he can prove it because he wrecked uh, Sanhagen pretty good. You know what I mean? And he had a couple rounds where he 10 aided or at least one 10 aided Peter Yan. So I side with Aljo here. What about Cormier saying that there needs to be an interim featherweight title? Yeah, I agree with that. As long as the champion's moving up, he can get injured. While he's doing other stuff and not tending to a division. Immediately it has happened? Because what if he goes and he gets served up? He just comes back. I don't know that has to happen right away, right? I think if it's available, sure. UFC loves title fights. And it's easy to say Allen and... uh, Allen and Rodriguez and... um, And uh, Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett should be the number one. And after that, probably Allen because of the record. 10-0 in the UFC, 16-1-1 or or 0-1 overall. Like, that's amazing. I don't know if you saw social media yesterday, but Benil Darius taking a picture with Dana White. He flew out here. What do you think happened in that? Because Benil seemed pretty happy, right? Right. He said, bro, what am I getting squeezed out here? Is it just a popularity game with Conor McGregor? And are Poirier and Chandler, are one of those guys going to railroad my attempt to get in there or what? Mm -hmm. And my next after Volkanovski versus... Um, Makashev. He's probably wanted to get at least something firm there. But what did Dana say that made him happy? Was it, here's some money to hold you off while we go act like fools over here? Or, hey, buddy, you're next. Here's a new contract? Or, or hey, buddy, you're next. Yeah. It's so funny because what we were talking about with injuries and stuff like that, yeah. I believe a lot of these fighters, they don't actually injure themselves the night of the fight. Oh, I think a lot sure. of them come in hurt. Oh, and sure. they come in hurt because no they don't get paid enough and they can't afford to miss for sure. That, that money, you know, for sure. I think that's what happens, man. They're, they're always skirting the line between being trained enough to do the best in the fight and too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, folks. Again, we will be with you uh, next week for a watch along. So remember that. Set that aside, please. November 12th here at Sticky Paw Studio. I want to thank George for coming in and producing the show. Uh, no problem. He's George. got the gridiron junkies. You got to check Big that out. Part George, of the. Sir. Action junkies, Vegas junkies, family's got the gridiron junkies. I got to, I, 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 George hasn't gotten the hint, but I'm kind of almost like throwing myself like, yeah, you need a gas, you need a gas. <laughs> trying to impress them here with all kinds of stuff. I threw the Pippin thing earlier. We talked good. about high school and, you know, whatever. Let's talk but, after. Well, you know, what are you going to do? You can only do so much. But I've been dropping hints. Mm-hmm. He hasn't caught, caught on. Do you think hey, he's, he's texting I, under right he, now? This guy it, won't stop. It. Yeah. <laughs> I've even dropped hints to Ron. Like, take it easy here in five minutes when we move over. Yeah, Folks, not happening. we got to get on out of here. Thank you so much again to Sticky Paws. Thank you again to Ron Gallagher from Maximum Velocity yeah, here in Las for Vegas me. for your physical therapy needs. Check it out. He's been doing wonders with me, and I'll keep reporting back and letting you know my progress. Can't wait to hopefully one day. And I know it, it's not going to. Hope. It's not hope. I am going to do it. I am going to accomplish it. I'm going to start jogging and then running, and it's going to be back to normal. No doubt about it. For now, folks, we're out of here. Keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the week, and we'll talk to you soon. Go out and be a champion. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.